Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo! What up, what up, what up? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the FIGHT podcast, your weekly combat sports and culture podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and we have another great show lined up for you today. This week, we cover all the craziness in MMA over the past week, especially, and we finally get to break down arguably the biggest fight in UFC history, Khabib versus McGregor as well as the rest of UFC 229, which is bananas, along with your turn to talk and so much more on episode 32 of the Fight Podcast. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at serge vicente support the show by checking us out on the website the fight podcast.com subscribe listen rate and share the podcast lives on itunes and soundcloud and don't forget to purchase merch today yeah man this week is here it is finally here um we're midweek um First week of October already. It's crazy. I'm already seeing Halloween decorations up. I've brought all the fall stuff out of storage. Had to decorate the crib. It feels like fall. It's cool out. Well, I don't know. It, it's starting to get to the point in Chicago where you don't know whether to wear a down jacket or a uh, or, or shorts. Last night, it's like mid-50s. Today, it's mid-70s. So who knows, man? So, uh, hey, just trying to enjoy the fall. But more importantly, I cannot wait. It is fight week. It is UFC 229. It's Khabib versus Conor. All of us have been dying to see this fight. Um, I've been excited for it for a long time. And again, we all know who've listened to the show before. I am very critical of the way McGregor and the UFC have moved throughout this. I am critical how he hasn't competed in MMA in over a year. And I don't even think I'm critical. I think I'm just speaking the truth. But at the end of the day, as an athlete, when he's actually in the cage, he is one of the most entertaining fighters out there. And I and I love and I can't stunt. I love watching Dude perform. I am a fan of him when he's competing and, you know, talking about real stuff. And I get into that, but I'm starting to see that kind of come back, which is exciting. 
But my fight pick, you, you, you'll be surprised to see what it is, regardless. So, um, definitely going to go ahead and talk about that. We're definitely going to break down the rest of the fight card. The card is nice. It's a super, super nice card. Um, they're talking about the UFC right now is talking about it trending and getting over 2.4 million pay-per-view buys. Eh, I doubt it. I doubt it highly, actually, especially because they really haven't been marketing this fight at all. In fact, uh, today's Wednesday, the 3rd of October, and they've only done one press conference so far. You don't hear a buzz about UFC 229 like I think you should. Do you remember last year when Conor was going to fight Mayweather? Everybody was talking about it. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing somebody talking about that fight. Man, I'm downstairs with my lady. She's getting her, you know, a pedicure or whatever and her nails done. The nail techs are asking me about the fight. You go to a restaurant. I'm wearing a fight podcast hoodie. They're asking, hey, what do you think is going to happen with the fight? Everywhere you go, people are asking about what's going on. And I definitely was not wearing a podcast hoodie at the time. Podcast started a smooth six months after that. So I was definitely wearing some fight gear, though. So people ask. <laughs> uh, but but still, everywhere you went, people go were asking about it. No matter who you were, no, you always saw it. It was on mainstream media. It was on mainstream news. Everybody was talking about it. You're not hearing the same buzz. So when the UFC and Dana White are saying they're saying they're projecting two point whatever millions, eh, I doubt that. But I still think it's going to do extremely well because this is definitely one of, if not the most important fight in UFC history. I'll touch on that in a little bit. Now at the end of the show, give my thoughts on where this actually ranks uh, along the, the the greatest fights of UFC history and the most important fights in MMA in particular. So. I I'll go ahead and break that down a little bit but with all that being said and before we go ahead and break it down i'm gonna go ahead and jump into this week's fight news all right so there's a lot of news and i'm actually gonna go ahead and start there's been fight announcements there there have been a whole lot of discrepancies going on there have been a lot of different things i mean we don't know who we i mean we just found out who's gonna headline the the ufc um 231 card at madison square garden there was a whole lot of nonsense going on around that let's see if people are happy let's see if people aren't happy huh we will find out soon i'll actually have a question um up on our ig poll for next week uh next week's episode and it'll be pertaining to that so it's been a lot going on. It's been one of the most active weeks in terms of, I mean, you have people pissing hot, all kind of crazy stuff. So before I jump into it, we're going to start off with a little bit of boxing news. Boxing. All right. So after 45 years of primetime championship boxing, HBO is calling it quits. This is crazy. This is after the... Canelo Triple G fight. Um, they have recently announced that they are no longer going to be in the business of boxing. They have let everybody go. Um, the only one that they're still keeping on is uh, Harold Letterman, uh, the gentleman who has he has his own show on there, the fight game. But um, everybody else is essentially a free agent. 
I have to say it shocked me when this initially happened. But if you really look at it and we've talked about it before in the show, they haven't been doing as much as other companies. Look at what Showtime is doing. Showtime has all the premier fighters aside from the fighters that are currently with Dazen. And they put on great shows from top to bottom. Steven Ups Espinosa, who is the head of the Showtime boxing uh, side over there, has done an incredible job since he's taken over at Showtime. And they're every everything from the deal that they have made with Floyd Mayweather and everybody else at the boxing realm to what they've done in the digital media stream with the great documentaries like the documentary they did with Victor Cruz. They did a great documentary also with Ben Simmons. So their sports division and Steven Espinosa over there, in my opinion, are doing a phenomenal job, regardless on what Dana White and Conor McGregor say about that gentleman. I think he's phenomenal and he is putting on one of, if not the best sporting organizations that are currently out there, especially should I say sporting networks. Um, So that's great, right? that's going on but um man just to touch on some of the great i mean hbo in my opinion though is almost synonymous with championship fighting i remember and it almost really not almost it really does hurt my heart that it's going away man because i remember going to friends houses going to friends, families' houses, and watching some of these huge championship fights. And it was a big deal. Oh, man, you have HBO? We're coming over there. Remember when people used to go ahead and also have, like, the box? And used to, like, you know, like, steel cable, whatever, using the box? But it was all from HBO streaming. And it was the best. So, for me, HBO was almost synonymous with boxing. That's where I went ahead and I watched Vander Holyfield put the thumpers on Mike Tyson. And that's where I saw Mike Tyson take a bite out of Vander Holyfield. HBO Boxing is where I was able to see, in my opinion, the greatest fight in boxing. Diego Corrales versus Jose, Jose Luis Castillo. That was on HBO, man. Those are the moments that I've had. And if you do not know the fight that I am currently talking about, please go back and watch it. The late, great Diego Corrales comes back and scores a 10th round knockout against Jose Luis Castillo, who in his era, both of these gentlemen were some of the greatest fighters of all time, or should I say of that generation. So this is my, this is how I remember HBO boxing. This is, for me, what I'm always, you know, comes to mind when I think about it. So it's really sad to see that organization kind of folding. But I'd be a fool to say I didn't understand. Do you see the numbers that they pull for uh, <laughs> for Game of Thrones? And what's it called? George R. R. Martin just announced that they have another, like, four series is in the works that are just spinoffs of Game of Thrones. Yo, our kids' kids are going to be watching Game of Thrones on HBO. Westworld. They have premium content. I guess they realize that the fight game isn't what they need anymore. So I'm interested to see what's going to end up happening for them. I'm interested to see what Golden Boy is going to do. Because a lot of the Golden Boy fighters, I thought they were essentially exclusively with HBO. 
Let's see what ends up happening with Canelo. Watching Canelo go to Showtime will be great. So he's forced to fight the Charlos specifically. I would love to see that fight. So we'll see what ends up happening. But, um, you know, much respect to HBO and what they have done, in my opinion, for the betterment of the sport and actually just getting the sport out to as many people as possible and just the history uh, that they have with the sport. All right. So moving on to the next one. Um, we're, we're moving on to MMA news already, but the UFC wants Daniel Cormier, the current heavyweight champion, the current 205 pound light heavyweight champion. They want him to vacate his belt so that John Jones could go ahead and fight against Alexander Gustafson for the vacant title. Now, um, John Jones, not John Jones, Daniel Cormier was recently on Ariel Kawani's MMA show where he expressed he was not very pleased about this decision. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but essentially he said, why am I giving this guy something that I work for? I want to fight him. And I guess... The UFC actually, and check this out, the UFC offered, and this is also according to Ariel Hawani, they offered Daniel Cormier and they offered John Jones that they fight for the heavyweight title in Madison Square Garden. Daniel Cormier said he can't do it because his hand's broken and he wants to fight John Jones at 205. John Joe says he doesn't want to do it because essentially he doesn't want to fight Daniel Cormier where he is arguably better. So they only want to fight each other at 205 pounds. So we don't really know what's going to happen. Now, a couple other names have been floating in the mix if the Gus fight doesn't pop up. And that kind of brings me to my next bit of news. Alexander Gustafson went ahead and let me go ahead and pull it up for us. Alexander Gustafson just said that, and look, I'm going to read it. He put an Instagram post up, and I think he also put it on Twitter, but he said, add Johnny Bones. You're pissing me off. Exclamation. I signed my agreement. Where are you? Are you chickening out again? Stop being a coward. Hashtag chicken. Hashtag sign the contract. Hashtag scared. Huh. So for what it sounds like, and it has been reported that Alexander Gustafson has already signed a bout agreement. John Jones to this point has not signed it. Let's not forget John Jones does beat to, you know, his own drum. And he is never one that will get bullied by the organization. So if he doesn't want to fight at that time, he's always going to go ahead and fight when it is more convenient to him. Let's not forget about the UFC where he originally was supposed to go ahead and fight Chael Sonnen. It was something along like UFC 186 or something along those lines. But they wanted him to fight Chael Sonnen on short notice. John Jones said, I'm not going to fight him. Forget that. And pulled out and the whole card ended up getting scrapped. So let's not forget, he doesn't play nice just to play nice, right? I'm curious about this. 
first and foremost, I would 100% love to watch Alexander Gustafson fight John Jones again. You can argue that when they fought each other in the past, which was the greatest fight in 205-pound championship history, you can easily argue that Gus should have won. You can argue that John Jones should have won. I can't lie, I did believe that Gus won. It doesn't take anything away from John Jones. He's 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 a, he's a badass, possibly the goat, possibly the greatest talent to ever walk into a cage. But he still lost that fight. So I wonder if he's hesitating because he doesn't want to fight him if he's not 100% ready. So that's that's interesting. Um that that's already coming out. Other possible opponents that they have recently released and have speculated. Brennan Sharp talked about this on Joe Rogan's MMA show. And a couple other accounts have talked about this. They have also offered John Jones came Velasquez. That was on the rumor mill. I would love to see that fight. Let's see what John Jones looks like at heavyweight before we throw him to DC. He still hasn't fought in over a year. And let's not forget the last time John Jones fought after a long layoff is when he came back. And yes, he did defeat Ovis St. Pru. And that was after the whole UFC 206 debacle. But he didn't look good. He looked terrible, actually. I'm sorry. It was after the uh, UFC 200 mess. And then that's when he came back against him. So that's why it looked uh, a little bit wary there. So. What's going to happen? I don't know. John Jones and his team say that they want to fight sometime around January. Either way, that works great. If he does end up fighting in January, that's when the ESPN and UFC contract starts taking over. So that could be the first big card to get him some really big names. If he does a great job as a business, I understand it for John Jones. But to double all the way back around. To my original point and why Daniel Cormier was upset. As for Daniel Cormier, I get it. This dude has been a cheater time and time again. He hasn't been a a team player. He's been a wild card. He's had hidden runs. He's been an absolute clown outside of what he does in the cage. And since he's not a great representation of the sport, Daniel Cormier is asking, why are we continually giving this dude opportunities and rewarding him for his crappy behavior? So I get it. I understand where Daniel Cormier is coming from. But I also understand as a business where the UFC is coming from. All of our big stars are tied up right now. We've talked about this in past episodes. If all of our big stars are currently tied up at the time, who else do we have? Well, look, John Jones is on the shelf over there. USADA, you guys work for us. And since you work for us, man, fix this nonsense. He, I don't want him to be gone for another two years, two to four years. Scrap it. And that's what essentially seems like it's happened. Now, this brings me to another bit of news. Former heavyweight champion, Fabricio Berdum, who has recently 
pissed hot, suspended for two years by USADA before um, doping allegations, doping claims, uh, performance enhancing variety. Right. We talked about that as well. So he's gone for the next two years. He recently released in a statement that stated USADA offered him a deal that would <laughs> they offered him a deal that if he released information on any other athletes who are doing potentially PEDs, they will reduce his sentence. So essentially they said, yo, if you snitch, we will go ahead and give you, you know, less of a suspension so you can come back sooner if you work for us throughout the duration of what should be your suspension or your contracted rate of uh, punishment. Verdum said, nah, I'll take my, my suspension. Which is interesting because that is the exact same um deal that USADA and the UFC gave John Jones. So now that brings the question and Daniel Cormier actually tweeted it this week. Is John Jones a snitch? Yeah, sure it does seem like it. I don't know. I'm not the one that's there. But if the deal is that he will release information to potential other like to the USADA about other athletes or individuals that are supplying athletes. Yo, that sounds like a snitch. I personally don't know any athlete that will go ahead and turn another athlete in. But if that is what John Jones is doing, ooh, other people are not going to be happy being around that dude. And he's already not a likable fighter. This is not going to make him any friends. So curious to see what that's going to happen with that. All right. So what is going on with UFC 231? UFC 231 is supposed to be headlined by a lot of us believed was supposed to be John Jones. It's been speculated. We even talked about it right here. I talked about it with uh, Prism when he was on the show a couple episodes back. Up until yesterday, which was less than a month away from the date, they have already been selling tickets. This is a huge Madison Square Garden card. And the UFC has stated, even Dana White said, hey, we always deliver for Madison Square Garden. And yo, they have. First one, UFC 200. Ridiculous card. The next card, UFC um uh, which one was that? The 226 with Conor McGregor and um, and Eddie Alvarez. A ridiculous card. Huge card. Now, this card looks like it could be ridiculous. It just needs that bow on the top. That card already has Israel Adesanya against Derek Brunson. This card already has Chris Weidman against Luke Rockhold. This card already has Eddie, not Eddie, I'm sorry, uh, Nate Diaz, the return of Nate Diaz against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. And both of those gentlemen actually have gone ahead and flirted with the idea of a 165-pound title. Yo, if you don't have any, they're supposed to be the co-main event. So they're saying, hey, might as well let, let us go at it. 
Let us be title chat. Let us get go for this 165 pound title that everyone has been recently asking about. If you guys haven't been able to see it, man, you should. These dudes were out here trolling and it was great. They cracked me up, man. They went ahead and and here's the thing. You should hear. This is what pretty much they said. And these are the tweets released by Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz. Dustin originally earlier this week said, I hear the UFC is searching for a main event when they have one already. It's me and Nate, a 165 pound title, a main event for the people. Stop searching Dana White. We got this. Let's go. After that, Nate Diaz goes ahead and tweets. I'm happy to announce that I am bringing a 165-pound division to the UFC. I'll be fighting the main event November 3rd in NYC against Dustin Poirier for the first ever 165 title belt, Super Fighter Division. I'm happy to be a part of history at UFC at Dana White. Dustin Poirier right after that goes has in tweets, it's been a long journey, but we are here. NYC first ever 165 pound title in UFC hashtag there will be blood hashtag thug jitsu yo they started trying to push the UFC into a corner and I love that they went out there and said no 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 no. this was gonna happen nobody said anything about that the UFC has said vehemently nah we're not going ahead and doing that we are not going to do that but I love that the fighters went ahead and had the initiative and said forget it man they might have hit each other up, did whatever, but they went with it. They worked together in it. And in my opinion, that is what they should have done. But what did they do? Brett Akamoto, the fantastic journalist for uh, MMA journalist for um, ESPN. Um, my opinion, is one of the best in the, in the in the business. Valentina Shevchenko to face Sajara Eubanks in the UFC 230 main event announced by ESPN's Brett Akamoto this past Tuesday. So for that Madison Square Garden card, less than a month away at this point in time, the main event they gave us was... And I can't believe I'm going to say that that card that could have been amazing. The Madison Square Garden card is headlined by. A hundred to 125 pound women. And don't get it twisted. No knock on Valentina Shevchenko. She's one of the greatest to do it. She's fighting Sajar Eubanks. Sajar Eubanks professional record is three wins and two losses. And she's only one and know in the UFC. She's headlining a major card, a major pay-per-view card in the UFC. What? Why are we doing that? What is the purpose of that? This is such a misstep by the UFC. This is such a misstep. What they should have done, they should have gone ahead and listened to the fans. What do the fans actually want? The fans want a 165-pound title. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I am so deep into combat sports and MMA. I don't know Sajara Eubanks. I've watched her one fight in the UFC, and I hate to say this. She does not have one. She does not have the skill set to even come close to beating um, Shevchenko. She doesn't. She's going to get demolished. It should probably be a first round finish. But more importantly, 
UFC, people are paying $70 for pay-per-views and you have the audacity to put somebody who's essentially an amateur as a headlining event? That's disrespectful to everybody involved, man. I'm so disappointed in the UFC for this decision. I hope that they end up pulling that and pretty much putting Nate Diaz in them. I'm going to be honest with you. That fight, if it wasn't for the 125-pound title, it should be a fight pass prelim. Okay, I'm not going to be that mean because Shevchenko is a beast. It should just be in the prelims. Or it should open the card. Nothing more. This is a fight night. This is a fight night event, guys. It's crazy. So disappointing, man. So that's the big news coming out of yesterday um, and the event. This is another uh, big news that was recently announced. Ariel Hawani went ahead and released this as well. Uh, the second press conference with fans for Khabib versus Connor is set in Vegas this upcoming Thursday. So people were starting to get really antsy. People were saying, hey, are we going to see them again? Like we talked about, they are not promoting this card. So the UFC seems like they're listening. Everyone's going to be in uh, Vegas. Now people are concerned about the possible violence between the Russian contingency and the Irish. Look, I think it's going to be cool. I don't think it's going to be a big deal, but I believe that this press conference is what they will need to really start advertising that fight so salute to them um for finally doing something that i believe is beneficial to the organization and the fighters man it's gonna finally get some little bit of love and some excitement about the card this weekend all right remember the fight podcast is brought to you each and every week by sage eats sage eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring sign up for sage eats at sageeatschicago.com apply promo code fight for 20 percent off of your first three months remember to follow the fight podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at serge vicente support the show by checking us out on the website thefightpodcast.com Listen on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Subscribe, listen, and rate. And don't forget to purchase merch. Boom. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, Fight breakdown. We're finally going to go ahead and break down UFC 229. I can't lie, man. I am so excited about this card. It should be epic from top to bottom they did a great job of stacking this card and again we talked about this time and time again it's a great time to be a combat sports fan all right i'm gonna start from the top and work my way down we're gonna start with the headliner of the evening obviously the ufc lightweight champion 155 pound champ khabib Nurmagomedov. he is 26 and 0 He's never lost a round, and he's fighting against Conor McGregor, the former champ champ, former champ at 145 pounds, also the former champ at 155 pounds. He is back after a two-year layoff from MMA. He fought last year in boxing against arguably the greatest boxer of all time, Floyd Mayweather, and now he is back to reclaim what he believes is actually his. 
So let's go ahead and, and get into it. First and foremost, I'm going to go ahead and pull out the Vegas numbers. Uh, Khabib is the champ, and he is the favorite right now. He's uh, minus 155, Connor plus 125. A, a pick em fight, and honestly, understandably so. It should be incredible. A lot of people are going back and forth about what they believe is actually going to happen. We have some people say, oh, it's going to be a dog fight. We have other individuals saying Khabib has no chin. Connor's going to go in there with his footwork, with his movement. He's going to go ahead and be able to outstrike Khabib. All those things could be true. And first, before I get into that, I'm going to say what are Khabib's intangibles? Khabib is one of the best, if not the best grappler in MMA. He has an extremely high takedown percentage. And the difference between him and a lot of other grapplers is that he is not just fighting for position. He's trying to take you down. And when he takes you down, he's always doing damage. So it's not like somebody who's just trying to essentially go for position, right? Some guys go for the takedown. Oh, I didn't get the position. I get back at it. And let me just go ahead and bring down some of these guys' stats, grappling stats. This is Khabib's average takedown. These are his takedown stats. Average takedown per fight, 5.44 takedowns per fight. Takedown accuracy, 44% of his takedowns he lands. Takedown defense, he has 84% takedown defense. And his submission average is 0.55. He doesn't really go for submissions as much. It's okay, though. Now, in turn, his striking not a bit, not the most that's not his game so his strikes again he lands 4.34 punches per fight or I'm sorry per round 48% um striking accuracy isn't terrible by any stretch it's really good actually only 1. one and a half punches absorbed per minute that's actually really good. That means as much as people say that this man has a glass jaw, he rarely gets touched. If he's only getting hit one and a half times per round, that says a lot. And his striking defense is a 70%. All right. This guy is different than other grapplers. And if you haven't seen him compete, you need to watch. A lot of people go ahead and also give him flack. Oh, the hero counter says, who has he fought? Well, he's fought toward former title champion and former title challenger at 155 and 175 Rafael Dos Anjos. He ragdolled buddy. It was crazy. He just tossed him everywhere. Who else did he beat up? Edson Barbosa. Edson Barbosa is widely recognized as the, one of the best, if not the best striker at the UFC's 155-pound division. 100% he's the best kicker in the organization. Khabib absolutely mauled him. Michael Johnson, a lot of people are giving him a lot of slack. Like Michael Johnson is some kind of step over. Michael Johnson was top five in the UFC's 155-pound division for an extremely long time. And he was actually top five when he competed against Khabib. He got destroyed.
Out of 26 fights, we've never seen Khabib dropped. We've never seen Khabib hurt. All we've seen him do is maul people. Now, let me go across the edge to Conor because, dude, skill set wise, it's incredible. Conor McGregor is possibly one of the most accurate fighters in UFC history. Look at his punch stats. Averages per minute, six punches per minute. Or, I'm sorry, per round. 47% punch accuracy. He absorbs five punches a round. And his defense is 60%. That's great. Regardless on that, Conor McGregor puts people to sleep. One thing that Conor McGregor does is that I think that Conor McGregor is one of the best fencers in the UFC. He's somebody that does an incredible job of going in and out. He uses level changes very well. Great movement with his feints. Great movement with his kicks. He stops. He has a range finder with his legs. Comes in. He does one of the best jobs that I've ever seen in adjusting position. He's a master at space. When you when he when you think he will set you up, when you're just outside of his punching range, he will adjust his feet accordingly in his movement. He ends up pretty much blinding you with his hands, whether it be punches or just movement, bouncing up and down, moving his hands around. The things that you see him doing with Ido Portal, his movement coach. All the time that he's doing that, he's readjusting his feet to put himself in range. And then when he fires off, he's able to go ahead and really extend past the point that you actually believed he was going to be. He does this so well against Eddie Alvarez. He had Eddie Alvarez sleeping, thinking about his hands. He throw a punch out there, throw a straight left hand that appeared to be at the extent of his reach. As he's adjusting his feet, he's still playing with his hands. He throws a jab out to the exact same point. This is super sophisticated stuff that he was doing. It looks like he's the exact same point. While he goes ahead and is doing, throwing the jab, the right jab, he's shuffling his feet forward. And then without Eddie Alvarez noticing, he's literally six inches farther forward than he originally was. And then he goes ahead and dropped a bomb on Eddie Alvarez. And that actually ended up being the combination for the second knockdown of that fight. So dude is an absolute wizard when it comes to that. And I know you're asking, Serge, you, you sound like you're riding O'Connor with this one. I'm not. I'm calling it right here. I believe Conor McGregor is going to get mauled in this fight. And don't get it twisted. I could be wrong. It's MMA. We never know. Conor McGregor's biggest and best, in my opinion, opportunity to win the fight is if he goes ahead and catches Khabib between the first second rounds. Possibly the third if he's lucky, but he has a short window. We forget. And people really do forget this. 
even though I think extremely highly of Conor McGregor's striking, and it is extremely difficult to emulate, you cannot emulate Conor McGregor. That is his style. He's figured it out. But at the same token, you can't, <laughs> you cannot recreate or emulate what Khabib does either. Not to the same level, not to the same extent. Khabib is a Sambo champion, a combat Sambo champion, world champion. Yo, this isn't even a joke. This dude used to wrestle bears as a kid. And here's the most important point that a lot of us forget. He trains at American Kickboxing Academy. One of, if not the greatest gyms in MMA. Who have produced champions like Cain Velasquez. Like Luke Rockhold. Like, and most importantly, Daniel Cormier. Let's not forget Josh Thompson, the punk. He came out of that gym. Josh Koscheck. John Fitch. They have been absolute monsters that have come out of that camp. BJ Penn at one point in time was with them. So he is not a stranger to amazing striking. He is training with the best of the best. And over the last year, over the last nine months, Khabib has competed three times. So that the narrative that he is not going to make weight, he's going to be out of shape, all this other stuff, is a fallacy. That's not even close to being what's actually or accurately going to happen. We can't even say that. Khabib will be there, Khabib will make the fight, and so will Conor, this fight will happen. Khabib finishes Conor McGregor either third run stoppage by Conor McGregor essentially just tapping from being overwhelmed or it's going to be a five round decision and we see Conor get beat up worse than we ever have. Do I think Conor could have his moments in this fight? I do. I think Conor's going to land a couple shots. I think there's going to be some precarious moments for Khabib. I really do. But I believe once he gets his hands on Conor McGregor, you have guys like Josh Thompson, legends in the game. You have guys like Daniel Cormier, legends and a heavyweight saying that they have not felt anybody as strong as Khabib and as dominant on the grappling end as Khabib is. I'm telling you, I think this is going to be a one-sided washing. I really do. So we'll see what happens. I cannot wait. All right. Co-main event time. And don't get it twisted. I, I will probably be back on. I'm actually planning to do another show this week um, after the weigh-in. So Friday, we'll be right back here. We're going to do a weigh-in show. And hopefully we can get some other people on to go ahead and uh, break that fight down with us. Um, so that should be fun. All right, next fight, co-main event is going to be Tony Ferguson, the number two ranked Tony Ferguson, former UFC interim champion who was stripped of his title because of freak injury. Tony Ferguson, ranked number two, is 25 wins, three losses, is fighting the former WEC champion, the former UFC lightweight 155 pound champion the number eight ranked 21 and 21 and 7 anthony showtime pettis 
I cannot wait for this fight. Yo, this one should be incredible. Anthony Pettis, who's went on a rough patch, if we can say the least, got scraped up by Rafael Dos Anjos when he had the title. He ends up also losing to Eddie Alvarez, also losing to Edson Barbosa. Has a win, he comes back, then takes another loss to Max Holloway. None of these losses are any, anything to sneeze at. We can't be mad about it because he's lost to upper echelon guys. But under his own admission, he was not the same guy. He didn't look as if he was actually Anthony Pettis. The free-flowing, creative, showtime-kicking guy that we all came accustomed to knowing and loving. We didn't see that for a long time. Anthony Pettis said that that happened because he started focusing on things that weren't important. He's a jiu-jitsu, a sprawling brawl guy. If you take me down, I'm going to tag off my back, and on the feet, I'm going to be as creative as possible. He was one of those guys, one of the originators of that. He's a beast. When he does that, Nate Diaz is another one of those guys. Guys who are dangerous off their back make you not want to take them down. In turn, you have to handle their stand-up. But Pettis wasn't doing that. So, under his own admission, he went back to the basics. Started focusing strictly on jiu-jitsu, strictly on uh, his creativity and his striking. And that showed in his last fight against the extremely tough, extremely durable and big Michael Chiesa. He went ahead and got a second round submission after, first of all, rocking him with a straight right hand and then choking him out with a guillotine. Actually, it was a triangle to the arm bar so excuse me for that but still he went ahead and did his handle his business like he was supposed to and it seems as if anthony pettis is actually back now tony ferguson awkward break dancing one of the strangest dudes you would love to see dude's weird he's corny i'm not gonna stun he's corny but that doesn't take away from him being an extremely talented and amazing fighter. 80% finish ratio. He's beat some of the best of the best. Rafael Dos Anjos. Kevin Lee. Edson Barbosa. The list goes on and on. He's on like a 10 fight win streak. Dude is crazy. Former tough winner. The ultimate fighter, for those of us who don't know. So when you see dude, dude is legitimate. He's he's a legit, badass fighter. He's a worthy title challenger. He's a worthy title holder. And truly, in my opinion, there was always a three-horse race. Tony Ferguson, Khabib, Connor all have a claim for their share of the title. But Pettis feels the same way. So... Tony Ferguson is one of the guys that wins in transitions. What does that mean? He's somebody that when there are those moments in a fight where people are scrambling to either stand up, when people are scrambling or or rushing to get to a position, there's that chaos. That is where Tony Ferguson excels. He's creative. He's flexible. 
and he has nasty chokes. He's a product of Eddie Bravo's 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu system. Eddie Bravo is one of the greatest jiu-jitsu minds in the world. 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu system is a no-gi system. Is specifically in mind for combat sports. If you haven't got a chance to check out the Eddie Bravo Invitational, you need to solid work there. So what do I think is going to happen in this fight? Tony Ferguson sustained last year, 11 months ago, he sustained a gruesome injury, man. He went ahead and actually had a freak injury the week of the fight that he was actually supposed to fight Khabib for the vacant title. He tripped at the set, at the LA set of UFC's talk show, whatever you want to call the show. He trips. He ends up tripping, blows his knee out, literally rips his MCL off of the bone. But he has a gnarly scar on his knee now. It's crazy. That's a substantial injury that usually puts people out for an entire career. Now, people who are close to Tony Ferguson say that, nah, he's back. He's just as strong, just as flexible, just as creative. But it's always going to be in the back of your mind. And he's not going to know how strong it is until he actually gets out there. So with that being said, I got to roll with Anthony Pettis this fight. He has momentum. He's been active. It seems like he's back to his old self. Until I see Tony Ferguson compete again and see that he has no residual effects, I can't give him the, uh, the win on this fight. And check this out. He is actually the favorite. Pretty big favorite. Minus 360, Anthony Pettis is a plus 270. Those are the Vegas odds. That's my pick to click. I'm going with Anthony Pettis. All right. Next fight's going to be a fun one as well. Next fight is against one of my personal favorites at heavyweight. The number two ranked 20 and five, Derek the Black Beast Lewis coming out of Houston is fighting against the always dangerous former heavyweight Bellator heavyweight champion, Alexander Volkov, who, if you guys don't remember, was the last guy to fight Fabricio Berdoum, and he did work, knocking out Fabricio Berdoum. For those of us who don't know Alexander Volkov, he's extremely tall. He's almost, he's 6'7", long and rangy, has very, very good stand-up, throws great combinations. Actually reminds me of a heavyweight version of Alexander Gustafson. He's that solid with the stand-up, and he's that solid with his takedown D. So dude is fun. Dude is a good guy to watch. So I am a huge fan of Alexander Volkov as well. He's the number five ranked guy. And I'm being very honest with you. He would be a lot of trouble for anybody at heavyweight. Derek Lewis has had back issues. We saw his last fight against Travis Brown. Or should I say, uh, well, against Travis Brown as well, but against Francis Ngannou. He won the fight, but he was a shell of himself. He couldn't really move. He was hurting. And I'll be honest with you, I'm torn on this fight. The same way I can say for uh, Tony Ferguson, I have to see to believe it. But seemingly, 
he's gotten the right type of work done. Derek Lewis has gone to Germany, got the same back shots that the back shots. <laughs> uh, he got the same type of shots that uh, in his back that Kobe Bryant received, that Peyton Manning received. So from same thing that Cody Garbrandt received as well. The UFC he sent him there. He says he's never felt better. If he says he's never felt better, Derek Lewis is the hardest hitting guy in the UFC. I don't care if Alexander Volkov is taller. If Derek Lewis is healthy, he wins this fight. Second round KO. Let's see who the... Uh... Ooh, Alexander Volkov is the uh, favorite for this fight. I understand it. I do understand it. And again, if it's my brain, I'm going to say Volkov because of the range of the distance. But again, I'm going with my heart. And I'm also going with intangibles. And that's why I'm giving the fight to Derek Lewis. Um, Alexander Volkov, Vegas odds, minus 175. Derek Luce is a plus 145. All right, a couple of the ones in this fight that I want to talk about um, in the main card. Dominic Reyes, uh, the number 12 ranked 9-0, is fighting against the always tough Ovid St. Pru. Ovid St. Pru's number 7 ranked 22-11. and 11. I'm be honest with you. These are the fights that I always pick against Ovisay Pru. I think Dominic Reyes is up and coming prospect. He's a beast. Same manager as former. Um, you know, he was on the show, uh, the Kraken. He was on here doing his thing, and uh, Dominic Reyes is a beast, man. Nine and zero does absolute work. I'm I'm going with Dominic Reyes on this one over uh, over Saint Pru, and uh, the last fight is on the main card. Michelle Waterson, number eight ranked Michelle Waterson, who is 15 and six, is fighting against the number nine ranked 14 and seven Felice Herrick. This is a great fight to open up the card. Both of these women throw down. Both of these women are tough. Both of these women are OGs in the fight game. They're actually on a a kickboxing show back in the day when I first started watching kickboxing. I can't remember the name of it, but it was uh it was in, it was on kickboxing. It was just like the Ultimate Fighter, the Contender series. It was these ladies were uh, Muay Thai fighters that stayed in the house and they like were competing against each other. Both of them are beast. Been along, been around the game for a very long time. Uh, Felice Herrick, Chicago's very old. Michelle Waterson trains out of Jackson Wink out there in Albuquerque. Should be an incredible fight. Um, I think Michelle Waterson has more skills than Felice Herrick, even though it's close. So I have to go with um, Michelle Waterson. <sighs> Yo, I can't wait. Uh, Sergio Pettis is also on this card. Um, I definitely have him beating. Uh, I'm just going to go through the rest of the card real quick. Uh, Sergio Pettis is fighting uh, Juicy Air for Amigo. Should be a great fight for Amigo, former title challenger. Um, Sergio Pettis is the uh, is the favorite, minus 175. I'll, I'm definitely going with Pettis. Another good card on here should be Nick Lentz versus Gray Maynard. Man, got to go with Nick Lentz. He's also the favorite, uh, minus 225. Uh, Gray Maynard's a plus 175. Uh, yo! 
This should be a great weekend. It should be a great um, weekend of fights. I cannot wait to continue uh, talking about this and break down what happens. I don't know what happens next week. Next week, we're either going to go ahead and talk about how dominant Khabib was or the legend or does the legend of Conor McGregor grow. Uh, It should be nuts. But all right, man, this is the Fight Podcast. And yo, that is about all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for everyone. um, who are, is listening uh, We'll be here again soon for Fight Breakdowns Your turn to talk We're also going to go ahead and do Obviously this week um, We're doing an episode of uh, We have our project prospect alerts And uh, so much more So stay tuned We're also going to do a show after The the UFC 229's weigh-in, so I'll be talking there. And yo, this is Serge Vicente. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 32 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at at Sir Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Don't forget to purchase merch. Thank you all for listening with me this week, and we will see you again next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Peace out.